This is the Hunt for Wellness podcast with John Davidson, 48 Pudge. It's another great day for wellness, and this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week, we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts, sharing inspiring stories from the packs, and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. What's up, packs of F3 Nation and loyal Hunt for Wellness listeners? I hope each of one of you are having a great day and are implementing strategies to accelerate your king and queen. Today, I have a great show that will possibly introduce something to you that is brand new. I had the privilege of interviewing John Davidson, or Pudge, who is a colleague of mine and an expert in a unique technique called ART. As you will find out, ART can be the secret weapon to combating those pesky injuries like shoulder pain, knee pain, and even plantar fasciitis. In today's episode, Pudge and I discuss what is chiropractic and why it works, why most people address their plantar fasciitis all wrong and why it continues to return, and what you can simply do to prevent and improve your back pain, and so much more. And as always, if you like this episode, be sure to share it with your friends, family, and other packs in your region. Now for today's episode. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. This is Dr. Tuna Sunt, otherwise known as Bones in the Gloom, and I'm super excited about our show today. I have none other than John Davidson, or Pudge. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Well, so Pudge, uh, I obviously invited you on the podcast for a variety of reasons, and we'll kind of dive into that. Uh, in a few minutes here, but uh, just to kind of get us started, I, I love the name Pudge. I kind of want to know a little bit more about it, uh, but uh, give us a little background about who you are, uh, what your hospital name is, where you post, and why you got the name Pudge. Absolutely. Um, again, thanks for having me on here. I am uh, also super excited uh, to be involved uh, with the Hunt for Wellness. Um, so my uh, hospital name is John Davidson. Um, I'm 48. Uh, I'll be 49 this year. Um, I live in Sarasota, Florida, and um, I was uh, introduced to uh, F3 by a good friend of mine. Um, his F3 name is Crab Cakes, uh, as he is also from Maryland. Uh, that's where my originally uh, my hometown is. So, um, yeah, F3 uh, Suncoast uh, representing Fudge here. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how I I got to F3. Um, if you want to know about my name, the obvious thing is it's not because I'm fat. Well, let's just say that I might be a little bit pudgy, but um, no, my, my background is in baseball. Um, I played uh, collegiate baseball at the University of Maryland, and um, I was a catcher. And Carlton Fisk and um, um, Yvonne Rodriguez 
were both uh, named, nicknamed Pudge. So when I uh, told them that I was a catcher, they affectionately named me Pudge. So that's how I got my F3 name. Got it. And that was that was my guess. I, I had the opportunity to kind of see a little bit about your background prior to recording. And I saw that you did catch, I guess, for the University of Maryland. Is that where you caught? Yeah, University of Maryland College Park. At the time, we were in the ACC. So we uh, we played some really good baseball, uh, Division One, And a um, little, little uh, dig to the heart with them going to the Big Ten. But I certainly get it. But uh, I'm an ACCer, um, you know, by heart. I got it. So I'm assuming grew up playing a bunch of baseball all through high school and, and junior high and all those years. Was baseball kind of like your go-to sport or did you do other things as well? So it's interesting. Um, I played four sports in high school, um, uh, baseball, basketball, soccer, and golf. Um, golf, my, my high school didn't have a golf team. So I played independent um, at, the, uh, at, at the county state level. Um, but when I got to uh, my senior year, I asked my dad, I said, dad, look, I have an opportunity here to play golf or baseball. Um, you know, I'd like your opinion of what you think I should do. <clears throat> and he goes, well, if you really want my opinion, you should play golf because you have natural ability in golf and uh, you, you're not good enough to play at the D one level. And so I said, thank you very much. And uh, ended up playing baseball. Um <laughs> might've been a little bit of a rebel back in the day and, you know, kind of wanted to, you know, prove myself. Um, and I ended, you know, being a captain my senior year. Um, you know, I batted 496 in the ACC and I played, you know, I was very proud of what I did, but I realized quickly when I played against, uh, some guys, uh, you may know of Jason Veritek or Nomar Garcia Parra both played at Georgia tech. Um, when I played against them, I realized, yeah, I'm not that good. <laughs> So uh, I was good enough to be there, but I wasn't good enough to to stay there. No, I, I completely hear you. I think uh, we all get in our little bubbles of influence and we think we're, you know, this big fish in this small pond. And then you start mm. seeing some of these other athletes out there that just, it takes that Oof. next caliber of, of type of player to really impress, you know, the scouts and, and certainly, you know, move ahead with that professional athlete status. I, I like the idea that you uh, kind of bucked the system with your father too. that classic. Uh, I'll prove you wrong. Uh, you tell me, tell me this one thing. So do you still swing the club as far as the golf? I mean, you play a lot of that. In oh yeah. Florida? Yeah. I, uh, that's probably, that's probably the, the, uh, the sport of choice now when I get time for myself. Um, usually I take Friday afternoons off because my kids are in school and um, it, I don't like to take away from family on the weekend. So I, I try to play a Friday afternoon. Um, game and you know it's hitting golf balls for me is is my out uh, I can check the world at the door and just kind of get lost hitting some wedges or just um, you know hitting a little ball around it's just kind of my thing got it well I, I heard you say you have 2.0s obviously in school now did any of them play a sport play baseball anything like that so the funny thing is you know votes when you and I were younger um it was a different time. You know, my babysitter was the street light. So when the street light came on, it yeah. was time to go home. Um, you know, nowadays uh, it's just different uh, technology. Um, so to answer your question, uh, my daughter is, and actually all three of my kids are very athletic, but if I can just be frank, they're lazy. And 
you know, I'm just calling a spade a spade, man. I, you know, I one of the things you. you'll learn about me is that, hey, I wear my heart on my sleeve. If you want the truth, you can ask me. If you don't want the truth, don't ask me. Um, just kind of how I've lived my life. My grandfather taught me, like, you know, look, you have your integrity, okay? That's that's the only thing that you have and you have control over. And, um, you know, the, the definition of, of that is doing the right thing when no one's looking. So um, I don't worry about, um, you know, reputation that somebody else, you know, gives you that. Um, I worry about what you can control. And, and so coming back to my kids, um, you know, they're athletic, but they're lazy. And so, you know, I had to make a choice. Do I push them, you know, to be, um, you know, what my wife and I were when, when in college. Um, and I just decided, no. So I still coach them and, you know, we try to make it fun. And, you know, part of me is like, oh gosh, I really wish they had the it. But um, I realized that, it's not right now in the cards and maybe it will be in the future, but um, it's not there right now. So I just try to have as much fun with it as I can. And, and um, you know, on the field, be a coach off the field, be a dad. I, hey, listen, I hear what you're saying, my friend. I mean, I have two teenagers myself, a 15 year old and a 13 year old. And mm. I, a lot of the same sentiments you just shared as far as, you know, growing up, I was the same kid outside as you were and played a lot of sports and just it was a different era. And it's almost like begging totally. my children to go outside now and just uh, to be part of the the street, you know, I'm like, hey, listen, right. you have actual live human beings, two houses down that you can talk to. Correct. You don't have to yes. go through this screen anymore. But I've also, like you, embraced the difference that it is. I mean, it's just a different time, a different era. And I'll try to support them in things that they do show interest in. In our case, mm-hmm. uh, it's scouting. We do a lot of that. My son's into music and some acting. And so we try to support that. Um, my daughter's into some journalism. And so we try to support things that they find yeah. uh, that would have been different than I am. But uh, certainly this whole parent thing is is something I'm, I'm trying still to still figure manual, out and I'm... navigate. <laughs> What's that? I'm, I'm still looking for the manual. I, I, can't, yeah. I can't find the parent manual. <laughs> Yeah, um, I know, right? Be nice yeah, if we had it, one. Right. I, again, if you do, uh, you'll make a mint. Yeah, right. I, I hear you. Well, um, you know, I appreciate you sharing a little bit about that F3 background. Um, so you didn't find F3 until you moved to Florida. How long ago did you move to Florida? Yeah, um, June of 2020. Uh, we moved okay. down here and... Um, I was very involved um, in our church uh, back in Maryland, and I had a men's small group that I went to uh, every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. And it was a it was a big part of of me and my journey, um, you know, my my spiritual, my faithful journey. Um, but I've always worked out, and um, I used to be a, a fairly good power lifter. Um, and then I had a complete tear in my pec major, had to get that repaired. Um, but I was still, you know, coming to Sarasota. Um, is really my wife's dream. Um, this is, you know, she loves sun, sand, um, beach, and warm. Well, that kind of checks the box everywhere here. Um, and it's beautiful. It's just different than, than Maryland, than the Northeast. Um, so not knowing anyone, but knowing uh, a friend of mine that moved down here that had been down here, Crab Cakes, um, he said, hey, why don't you come work out with us? I work out with this group called F3, um, you know, stands for Faith, Fitness, and Fellowship. And uh, good group of guys. Um, you know, we work out in the mornings, why don't you come out? So I said, after, you know, bugging me, I'm like, okay, I'll do it. I'm like, what time do you work out again? 5am, 5 5.15 5 kickoff. I'm like, oh, okay, well I'll try it. 
and um you know i kind of get hooked um you know i have my my times where i i fart sack and you know should show up when I don't. And, um, but it's, it's been awesome. Uh, great group of guys. I, I love the camaraderie. I love what it stands for. Um, I, it, and I'm loving to, to see these other, uh, AOs, um, kind of get kicked off and, um, continue, you know, the, um, the overall, uh, what, what F3 stands for. Yeah. Uh, well, that's awesome, man, that you found it. Uh, it does take somebody usually that we know, given that, uh, giving us that headlock and just kind of introducing Absolutely. it. And, and I find, you know, to, to your point, you have a couple guys that you run into. One is that they're absolutely ready and looking for a group like this, uh, like I was, and it sounds like maybe you were and kind of jump right in it. And then you have those guys that are like, man, it sounds interesting. I'm just not sure if it's for me yet. And it takes a little bit extra effort or, or whatever they're looking for. So. One, 100%, you know, there's, there's certain like, so full disclosure, you know, we have a running AO. Yeah. I've never been to that one. Um, you know, I like the bike. Um, I, we have a biking AO on, on uh, Tuesday mornings. Um, you know, I've, I've done that. And, you know, I tell you, since being down here for two years, you know, when it's 44 degrees, 40 degrees, I don't really like the bike when that's cold. I don't like to do anything out when it's that cold. Um, maybe I, my, my body is auto adjusting to the Florida life, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great that, that there's a mix for everyone. Um, that, that you can find your, you know, find your way. Um, and the beauty is, is that there's a, a bunch of really solid guys that uh, hold you accountable, check on you. Um, you know, it's just kind of what everyone should experience. But like you said, some, it takes somebody to get you to the door and open it for you. And then it's your choice to work through, walk through it. Yeah. Well, and, and, and to your point, uh, there is a bunch of options out there. And I love the fact that uh, you're dishonest with yourself about which ones you resonate with and which ones you don't. I try to kind of pick and choose myself. I'm, I try to make it a little more broad. I, you know, I don't mind a run here and there and, and a ruck and did a kettlebell workout this morning. And so try to mix it up a little bit. But uh, yeah. at the same time, I think we all have the ones that we gravitate towards, especially if you're in a region with multiple options. Now, obviously there's areas of the country that just have a single option and, and that's what you get. And, and you got to show up sure. and be part of it and uh, much colder temperatures than 48 degrees. I'll tell you that. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> everyone, those... everyone knows, uh, everyone knows in the uh, F3 Suncoast region that uh, Pudge does not like to do burpees or run. Okay. I've done enough, you know, those kinds of exercises in my time and you know i'll do something else i'll, I'll be active um but uh you, you'll hear anybody that, that hears this from the f3 suncoast is going to go that's definitely him he doesn't like to run and uh he doesn't like to do burpees but you know got we do it. what you got to do no i hear you i hear you well Let's um, kind of transition it a little bit about, uh, you know, the topic today and, and why I brought you on the show just to kind of sure. uh, dispel your information and, and really kind of impact the, the packs across the, the nation and really the world now. But uh, Pudge, uh, for you listeners, he is a chiropractor. Um, and as many of you guys know, uh, that is also a degree that I hold and, and near and dear to my heart. Um, but uh as you probably know, or maybe don't know, um, all chiropractors, uh, we have a opportunity to kind of practice different techniques and have different philosophies and do different things. And, and Pudge, 
uh, has a, a very unique set of skills uh, that um, not every chiropractor has, and certainly um, one that is hugely beneficial to the public and, and to athletes and to corporate America and so forth that we wanted to kind of dive into. But uh, so, Pudge, why don't you um, just kind of take us down the journey of, you know, A, why did you choose to be a chiropractor and, and B, kind of how you kind of got started in practice? Yeah, sure. So uh, the short answer is, um, why did I choose to be a chiropractor? Um, the short answer is baseball didn't work out. Um, you know, when the, when the draft came and went and I didn't get called, uh, I was, it was a, this, a, a, um, a depressive time in my life. Let's just say that. But, um, I was, uh, in school at the university of Maryland for, uh, kinesiology, uh, as you know, the study of human movement, human body movement. And, um, um, I did, uh, um, I'll just call it an internship, uh, with a local chiropractor, in, um, in Rockville, Maryland, uh, Dr. Jay Greenstein, who's really active in the profession um, now, but uh, you know, I saw Jay do some amazing things with patients, and I'll never forget. And this is the story I tell when people ask me, you know, why did you become a chiropractor? Um, I was working one day as a you know front desk um, kind of CA, so to speak, chiropractic assistant, and this gentleman came in uh, late fifties, early sixties, six um, four white t-shirt overalls, you know, typical you know, farmer, um, you know, looking gentleman with his wife. Um, she's crying. He can barely walk. And I'm watching this unfold going, what is this guy doing here? So Dr. Greenstein comes up, gets him, goes back into his, his room and closes the door. And I'm scratching my head going, what? I don't, I, I'm, I, okay. I don't get this. I understand that, you know, that we help people with these kinds of issues, back pain, neck pain, shoulder, elbow, whatever. But this guy's in some serious pain. He needs to be in the emergency room. Well, lo and behold, um, you know, 40 minutes later, the guy comes out walking gingerly, but on his own, um, you know, without any help. And he's smiling. And I was just floor bones. I was like, what? I don't get this. Like, wh what just happened here? So I talked to Jay. I said, Jay, what did you do to that guy? I'm like, I, I, I don't get it. And he just looked at me, put his hand on my shoulder and said, it's the power of chiropractic, man. And I was like, okay, I need to know more about this. So I grilled him the rest of the shift. Um, first day I got my first adjustment ever in my life. Um, I said, Jay, look, I, where did you go to school? He said, the National College of Chiropractic in Chicago. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to national. I'm going to apply to one school, one school only. I got my interview. I got accepted. I went in and I was like, I want to do what you do. That was, I mean, it was a profound time and an experience in my life. And I thought if you can do that in that short a period of time with your hands to someone and give them the life back, <laughs> sign me up. I'm in. So that's kind of how I got into chiropractic. Um, you know, I realized being there that, um, you know, I, I was gravitating towards more of the, you know, soft tissue related injuries. Um, you know, being a baseball player, there's lots of strains and pulls and elbow issues and shoulder issues and obviously neck and low back. Um, you know, you have some Achilles tendon type stuff, some knee stuff. And, and I, I didn't fully grasp how a chiropractor could um, could treat that and treat it effectively. Um, 
you know, as you know, Bones, um, you know, there's two types of chiropractors. Okay, there's the straight chiropractors and then what we call the mixers. Okay, straight chiropractors, for those of you out there that don't know, um, adjust the spine. And the spine is everything, um, whether you have, uh, you know, a pinky issue or a knee issue, um, if the spine is free of subluxations and um, no nerve interference, the body will take care of itself. Uh, a mixer says you come in with the knee issue. Well, you very well may have a spinal uh, misalignment or subluxation that is causing some issues to the nervous system that affect to the knee, but taking a history saying, hey, um, I went and stepped in a hole and twisted my knee. Okay, so um, as a mixer, um, I, I look at extremities. I utilize other um, practices, not just chiropractic to help someone. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of my philosophy. So coming back to um, the soft tissue injuries, I met a, um, a, one of my instructors, uh, a PT at National. Uh, his name was Robert Lardner. He was a professional dancer and uh, he studied under uh, Vladimir Yanda. Um, he was in Prague and uh, he was very influential on me because uh, I was asking him these questions like, hey, how am I going to adjust an elbow for a repetitive overuse injury? And how's that going to fix it? And he just kind of looked at me and smiled and said, well, it's important. However, you should learn something called ART. And I was like, what's ART? And he said, well, ART stands for active release techniques. And so I started looking at this. I think it was only my third trimester um, in school. And I was like, okay. I started looking at it and that's how I kind of began my journey with active release. Um, so maybe a, a nice segue into, okay, well, what's active release? Um, ART, yeah, so, active so, release techniques. Uh, let, me, let me just hold you up here, bud. Yeah, please. A uh, lo lot of information. I get excited, kind of, Bones. I no, get excited no, I love there. it. I love the excitement, but, uh, you know, you dropped a lot of bombs on us uh, in that last Sorry. Yeah, dialogue. And I just want to kind of uh, reiterate a few of those things and just kind of enhance some of that. And then we'll certainly go into uh, what ART is and why that's unique and specific and, and so forth. But uh, so it sounds like your conversion to wanting to be a chiropractor is similar to a lot of uh, chiropractors that I talked to and, uh, mm -hmm. which is that, that classic story of, I had no idea this could do that. And then I witnessed it either, either with my own eyes or, or saw someone else have, or, or personally rather have, have a, have a story. You know, my wife, uh, the reason she became a chiropractor, uh, is, is kind of a, a similar scenario from a standpoint of she herself was injured and uh, she was in high school, mm -hmm. ran cross country, and basically uh, was having these ailments in her hips and her knees and was told actually by the doctors of the time uh, that she was basically a hypochondriac because they couldn't find anything quote unquote wrong with her and that mm. if she kept the, the injury up the way she was going, that she'd be in a wheelchair. And long story short, her, her, co her cousin, uh, her brother was also a high school baseball pitcher mm -hmm. and had gotten injured and the baseball coach suggested to the parents that uh, he get taken to the uh, chiropractor for, for a checkup. And um, for whatever reason, um, couldn't make the appointment himself, but uh, the parents decided, well, we'll, we'll, we'll take Estella, who's my wife there. And uh, he kind of evaluators uh, explained to her how her hips were completely misaligned and biomechanically wasn't tracking the way she should have. Uh, 
And long story short, I had a handful of adjustments and within weeks was back out on the course, breaking records, doing all these things. Uh, so she personally had this transformation uh, where she, uh, you know, saw firsthand. I grew up in a chiropractic family. My, my mm-hmm. father is a chiropractor, had some uncles that also were chiropractors. And so I got to see firsthand as well. But I was amazed how many guys and girls in my chiropractic class that had a similar story to you or maybe even later in life. I, I had a few and maybe you did, too, in your class. 50, even 60 year olds back in school because they had some kind of maybe job injury that a chiropractor helped them out and they had that transformation. So uh, people always ask to kind of explain it, uh, the the science behind it. And sometimes it's hard to, because you're just like, well, the body's a pretty uh, powerful self healing organism. And if you remove the, the interference of what probably is occurring in that and, and restore that communication and that homeostasis and that nervous system communication. Uh, it's amazing what the body can do as far as heal. And I guess that's what you saw firsthand that day that man walked in uh, unable to kind of walk. So I love, I love that you brought that up. And that was one of the transformation stories because now you're an advocate, right. Uh, of the profession because you kind of see the miracles, uh, firsthand. So I, I, I love that. And that definitely is how those things history. work, right? I mean, you, Absolutely. you, you are, you are molded by your experiences, right? And so you learn, you may not know anything about it, but then you experience something and you're like, Hmm, wow. Okay. I didn't think that could help that. Um, you know, mo- I think a lot of patients come to us. Well, especially for me, I'll just speak for me that they've tried X, Y, or Z and, uh, they still have an issue. And, uh, well, I'm here because so-and-so told me to come here and, um, you know, I was not really going to work, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give it a try. And, um, you know, I just tell patients, uh, this was something that was said to me, like, Hey, is it in the realm of possibilities that what I can do for you may help you? And they just kind of pause and say, well, if you say anything other than, of course it is, then, well, you're just not being truthful. Because um, all I said was, is not the realm of possibilities? And you know, as well as I do, you have, I'm sure, countless uh, stories of, man, I don't know what you're doing, but uh, I feel amazing. I should have come here first. Uh, you know, it just, it, it, it makes me smile on the inside and, and um, you know, say, hey, you know, understand that if you give your body what it needs, what it desires, um, and you allow it to take care of itself, it does. It takes care of itself. So, uh, you know, going into talking to some patients that are open to hearing the words of like the innate intelligence, you know, your body's way of taking care of itself. Okay. Um, and if you help that, and if you give it what it needs, it does a really good job. Like say you're fighting an infection and your body is, is needing some help. So you take a medication, you take an antibiotic. What does that do? It helps your body fight that infection. Okay. It doesn't fight it for you. It helps your body fight it. Um, you know, you, you have a, a temperature. Why? Well, your body senses something is not right. Um, you know, your, your fingernails grow, your hair grows, you you cut yourself. It learns how to heal it from the inside out. I mean, that doesn't happen, you know, by mistake. That is the body's way of taking care of itself. And what you and I do and what all our, our colleagues do is help them help the body take care of itself. And that's what I love about it. 
Yeah. So if you don't mind, uh, maybe just take a few more minutes and and, and dive into that a little bit deeper uh, for those, you know, listeners who've a maybe never been to a chiropractor or certainly uh, their only experience of it is, is somebody else's uh, talking about it or what's sensationalized now on YouTube videos as far mm. as these loud pops and cracks mm. and all right. that kind of stuff. And there's, there, as you and I both know, um, there's hundreds of different techniques out there. And one of them being Absolutely. ART that, that we'll kind of dive into a little bit more specifically, but, you know, help us understand, um, based on your kind of understanding the knowledge, you know, if I was a novice to chiropractic and I kind of wanted to mm-hmm. say, I hear, I hear the word innate, I hear this ability to kind of remove, um, these interferences, how does chiropractic in, in a traditional sense, help the body heal and kind of what is a chiropractor kind of doing for my body when I go and get an adjustment? Sure. So I think it's important that you start out with uh, understanding what chiropractic is. So just my opinion, um, you know, based on uh, knowledge and reading and those kind of things, um, and obviously being a chiropractor, chiropractic is a healthcare uh, profession, okay? that focuses on the body and specifically the spine and how it relates to the connection to the nervous system. So um, there's three or actually four contiguous systems in the body, okay? Meaning there's no start and stop. You have the nervous system, you have the arterial system, you have the venous system and the lymphatic system, okay? All of those things are um, free flowing that go through your body, okay? So specifically talking about chiropractic, and the nervous system, if you give the body what it needs, meaning there is a problem or a restriction or what we call a subluxation at a level of where those nerves go to, for instance, you have a problem in your gut and um, you've taken all of the, the different medications and um, you know over-the-counter or prescription and nothing helps. But you notice that when you get adjusted, wow, your gut doesn't feel so bad. You know, how can I explain that? Well, the easiest way to explain it is you are helping your body with those nerves at that level, be able to function the way they're supposed to. So you, by taking away that interference or that subluxation, if you will, you create an environment that the body is able to take care of itself. So in essence, that's what we're trying to do. We use chiropractors, use their hands, you know, chiropractic, um, is li- literally means Cairo is is um, is by hand and practico is done by or to practice. So it's chiropractic means done by hand. Um, it, you're using your hands to deliver um, a, an adjustment that um, helps the body be able to function properly. Um, you know, going back to 1895 um, and um, uh, Dee Palmer you know, making the first known adjustment, um, you know, to Harvey Lillard, uh, restoring some hearing back uh, by uh, hitting him in the, in the middle of the upper back. You know, again, how can you explain that? Just what we talked about there. Um, you know, and I tell patients, look, I, I don't have all the answers and I can't tell you specifically how these things happen. I just know that they do. And there are things that are true that I don't fully understand, but what I do know is it works. So uh, what I tell patients when it comes to anything, any kind of therapy, any kind of medication or lifestyle, specifically let's talk about therapy. um, I came up with a saying, 
everything works, but it doesn't work for everyone or for everything the same way all the time. So patients that say, hey, I go to my chiropractor and he uses a mechanical uh, adjusting tool, uh, for instance, an activator um, to uh, adjust the spine. Great. And that works for you. Great. There are other uh, chiropractors that use um, a drop table um, or a flexion distraction table or um, something called um, blocking for the pelvis. You know, there's umpteen, like you said, there's lots of different ways that you can treat someone um, based on your skill and what you what you're good at. Um, and I explain that to patients like, well, you have a medical doctor, right? So the medical doctor is an MD. Well, you have medical doctors that um, specialize in shoulders. You have medical doctors that specialize in knees. You have, um, you know, so forth and so on. But they're all medical doctors. It's the same thing for us. As a DC, a doctor of chiropractic, uh, versus an MD, a medical doctor, we both have, um, you know, postgraduate uh, education, but we focus on different aspects, um, and that's completely okay. So what I may be an expert in, you might not be. But what you're an expert in, I may not be, but we're both still chiropractors. Yeah, man, great explanation. And um, I, I can completely relate with, with a lot of what you were saying there. Um, you know, I love the idea of the, the, the simplicity of, hey, everything works. It just may not work exactly for you like it works for other people. And that's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've all done a diet before or worked out a certain way. And for whatever reason, one guy or gal gets these one results and you do quote unquote, mm -hmm. the same exact thing. And it just doesn't work for them. It doesn't make it any less true. It just means for that individual and what was going on for them was, you know, just different and, and their body they responded their different. Right. It, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so you kind of brought up a lot of interesting uh, information about how the body works and, and sometimes we overcomplicate it and sometimes we undersimplify it or oversimplify mm. it rather. And, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I do a very similar, uh, explanation to patients, certainly if they're brand new to chiropractic and, 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 and it really just kind of go down the idea that, you know, you have a brain, you have a spinal cord, you have these nerves that communicate with each other. And, and really that's how the body kind of gets this information and that there's things that protect that spinal column called vertebrae and they go up and down the spine. There's 24 of them and they can get restricted and rotated and, and inflamed mm -hmm. and they can create interference to that messaging system. And that when we remove that interference and free that communication back up, the body's amazing that doing all these radical healing properties and mm -hmm. it, 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 and it sounds super simple, but at the same time, complicated. Um, but at the, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, uh, you, you don't know how it's going to work for you until you try it. And, and I love that, uh, uh, people are willing to give it a shot and, um, certainly there's skeptics out there. And to your point, I, again, uh, it may not work as well for you, a particular technique as it does another person. And that's why, and 100%. that's one of the things I love about chiropractic is that there are tons of options out there when it comes to techniques and, and strategies and philosophies. And you brought up mixed versus straight chiropractic philosophy earlier. Um, I'm, I'm more of the mixed as well, uh, like yourself to where, if, you know, if someone has a knee problem, I will address the knee as well as the spine versus just mm -hmm. the spine. But 
you know, you and I both know colleagues that just do the spine and get amazing results as well. And so it's, it's, it's fantastic to kind of see all these options out there for people. So, um, obviously enlarged chiropractic has a lot of options to give people when it comes to getting their health back. Obviously you are attracted to a, a subset uh, or a technique rather that, um, you know, not every chiropractor does called, um, mm-hmm. ART or active release technique. You were kind of alluding to how you discovered that by watching, um, the dancer and, and some of the things that they, they were able to implement with that. So walk us down that path a little bit. What makes ART unique and what are some of the things that you find it's really good at helping as far as a patient base? Sure. Sure. So, um, active release techniques, commonly called ART, uh, was uh, invented by Dr. Michael Leahy um, and started it back in 1984. Um, Mike is a uh, really brilliant guy that um, understands fluid dynamics, tissue dynamics, and as it relates to gliding and sliding of nerves, uh, ligaments, tendons, and how they all interface together, fascia and in, 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 um, as a collective whole, and understands that, hey, um, we can get people better faster by implementing these other things on top of, you know, getting people adjusted. So Mike went down this rabbit hole of, of ART, and um, at first he started calling it myofascial release. And then that time, that that uh, myo means muscle, fascia is connective tissue. And so lots of people started using the term uh, myofascial release. So he came up with active release, active release techniques. Um, in simplicity, it goes like this. You uh, find a tissue, you shorten it, you take your tension down to the tissue that you're working on. Let's say it's muscle, down to the area of the muscle that you're working on. Then you take it from a shortened position to a lengthened position underneath of that tension. Uh, Again, it sounds very simple. Uh, It's a little bit more complicated than that, but understanding that we're trying to restore the balance of how the tissue glides and slides relative to another one. Um, It's used to treat uh, all kinds of things, specifically what we call um, repetitive overuse injuries or what we call a cumulative trauma disorder. So when a tissue takes um, um, lots of trauma, it could be micro trauma. Let's say you have little Miss Jones who's 78 that is a secretary that has been a secretary for 55 years. And she sits at a desk all day. And over the years, she's her posture has gotten really bad. She starts to have her head kind of come forward, what we call anterior head carriage or her shoulders to round forward. And um, um, she develops pain and she comes into you and says, I didn't do anything. Well, what she really means to say is you didn't, she didn't have any macro trauma, but she had this micro trauma of doing the same thing over and over and over. And eventually the tissues changed how they work and how they function. So by doing ART, that's one method to help restore the balance of how those tissues work, but that's only the one part of it. You know, you know, as well as I do bones that, that you know, nothing is the end all be all. So you have to put everything in together and utilizing what we do uh, between, you know, my PT background, the chiropractic background, rehab, 
um, stretching exercise and you kind of put the whole thing together, for me, that's, that's what I do. Um, and I've been teaching AOT for about 20 years. Um, and um, I still currently teach. I teach probably four or five times a year. And it keeps me current, um, but I really enjoy, you know, helping people um, as you do um, into their journey. Um, and uh, if I can help somebody refine their technique or help another patient, like that's that's really important to me. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and I'm I'm somewhat familiar with ART uh, as we were kind of talking before we we hit record today. I'm not a, a licensed practitioner of that technique. I haven't done any formal education other than what I've been experienced uh, a little bit back and when I was in school and, and certainly some colleagues of mine that uh, have, have kind of discussed it or, or showed a technique or something to me. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's a fantastic uh, option when it's, you know, specifically around that soft tissue. And I can see it being a huge benefit, obviously, on all those areas, you mentioned, you know, specifically like that spine and upper back area a minute ago, but um, I could imagine it would be fantastic for athletes um, and, and as well as, you know, even PACS members who are possibly overworking their bodies in the gloom. So tell me, you know, what are some of the most common athletic injuries that you would kind of see with an ART technique that really responds well to it? Sure. So, you know, all of us have aches and pains, right? So especially, Hey, um, you were away and then you fart sacked a few times and, Oh, it's been two weeks since I worked out and you go, gosh, you know, I, I went and we did a three mile run this morning or a three mile or 10 mile ruck and gosh, my Achilles tendon is really bothering me. Um, again, that's the definition of a repetitive overuse cumulative trauma disorder too much, too soon, too fast, too intense. So um, specifically, if someone has uh, calf pain or, um, you know, buzzwords that people understand is like uh, IT band syndrome, uh, pain on the outside of their leg going to their knee, um, sciatica, um, you know, rotator cuff problems um, in the shoulder, um, you know, the buzzwords of lateral or medial epicondylitis. So affectionately uh, known as golfer's elbow or tennis elbow. Um, you know, those kind of things, carpal tunnel. Uh, Mike did a, a study um, with the five worst carpal tunnel patients. Um, he practices in Colorado Springs um, back when he was getting started and said, hey, send, he went to the work comp board and said, send me your five worst cases of carpal tunnel. And he was able to resolve three of them uh, just by doing ART. And what we realized is, is he doing anything that no one else can do? No, absolutely not. But what he realizes is if you understand function of how tissues glide and slide, and not only at the area of pain, but above or below that, because lots of times you have compensatory action. So you have other tissues that have to uh, uh, compensate for the tissues that are angry or that are injured, and that causes an issue. And it's like a domino effect. So you may have pain in one area, but... Um, you have to get that area treated, but treat the other areas because they've compensated for. So, you know, back to your original question, you know, shoulder pain, uh, lots of push-ups, um, hip flexor issues from doing lots of burpees or, um, you know, uh, uh, Freddie Mercury's or, um, you know, we do a, an exercise called a Dolly Parton. Um, it's, um, you know, those things are ART can work really well for 
Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, I, I hear it all the time in the gloom and I mean, I have patients come in as well that, you know, the, the classic shoulder injury, knee injury, a lot of plantar fasciitis, a lot of calf oh, yeah. overuse, uh, especially as running season picks up and people are kind of getting off the couch again and, and, and just trying to get back at it hard, you know, to get these overuse injuries. And, um, you know, obviously as a chiropractor, I address the spinal biomechanics and the hips and all that kind of stuff. What, you know, let's say a, a patient comes to you and, and let's just mm-hmm. say that they are coming in and they got this overuse, uh, plantar fasciitis, let's just say, cause that's a, that's a sure. pretty typical a one. one. Yeah. Um, obviously you can evaluate the biomechanics of the hip and the spine cause the nerve kind of comes down there and, and kind of balance them out that way. What, from a practitioner standpoint, uh, you know, with ART or any other technique that you want to sure. in, implement here, how would you kind of address that plantar fasciitis aspect of it? In addition to maybe some traditional chiropractic care, um, uh, as well to kind of help expedite the recovery. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you touched on the traditional chiropractic care, you know, looking at, um, is there a mechanical reason, you know, of a, a pelvic obliquity or um, a subluxation in lumbar spine or your pelvis that's, um, you know, getting you to the point where you say, hey, I didn't know it, but this is potentially uh, adding to my issue. You obviously touched on the chiropractic aspect of that. When it comes to specifically plantar fasciitis, um, it, it is, again, the definition of a repetitive overuse injury, you know, too much too soon, too fast, too intense. So um, taking a good history, figuring out, hey, have you ever had this before? Lots of times people say, gosh, you know what? I was thinking about it. I, I did. I, I actually had an episode of this back a year ago. And I said, well, what'd you do for it? Said, oh, I just rested. And so rest. So I, I explained to patients, a lot of this is about demand. If you place more demand on a tissue than it can handle, it's going to fail. Okay. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So what that patient said is, oh, I took away the demand. So they stay below the level of demand. And then they said, oh, I'm fine again. But as soon as they go back out and start doing it, well, the level of demand goes higher. The problem comes back. Um, And that's just because from a a functional level at that uh, area, it wasn't completely fixed. So, you know, looking at doing ART for muscles of the the bottom of the foot, you know, not to bore your listeners with uh, all the specific muscles and tissues, but, you know, you have uh, um, 26 different bones in your feet that you have to look at, um, you know, layers of, of tissue um, in your foot and how it relates to the nervous system. Um, the calf is always involved with someone who has plantar fasciitis. So addressing their calf or what we call the posterior chain, you know, your calf going into your hamstring, going up into your glutes. Um that whole area has a tendency to go ahead and to work too hard um, or too much or um, for the tissues that aren't working. And it creates this environment, if you will. So yes, you treat the foot. I use ART. You could use another different technique called Graston, which is a form of uh, instrument assisted soft tissue mobilization, um, you know, treating the tissue, but then taking this to the next step of showing them what they need to do. So uh, a real quick example would be to stretch, okay? Show them properly how to do a gastrocnemius uh, and a soleus stretch, which is part of your calf. Uh, make sure they're doing that properly, making sure they understand how to stretch their hamstrings 
um, as the primary and not their back. So I see, I'm sure you do two bones. You see a lot of people stretching that they're doing stretches improperly or incorrectly. And they're not wondering, they're wondering why they haven't gotten any better. Um, lots of times it's user error, right? You know, it's like computer doesn't work. Well, uh, it's probably not the computer's fault. It's probably the, the computee. Um, but you know, when I, so coming full circle, I take a patient say, Hey, here's my motto, understand, restore, optimize, maintain. Okay. Understand why the problem is and, and why it's there. Okay. And once I understand it, then it's my job to uh, restore, restore the balance of how the tissues function and how they work so that when you want to place demand on them, they can actually do what you want it to and not have any issue. And then the last two things are optimize and maintain. That's where you come in. Do, understanding how things happened, why they happened, what do you need to do as part of your recipe to make sure that you keep it that way and then you maintain it. So if I can give you the recipe to kind of uh, keep you well, Falls in your court. If you do it, you should do well. If you don't, the odds are you'll be back in the same boat. Yeah, and I mean, great information. I appreciate you kind of expounding on all of that because I think there's a lot of misconception out there as far as let's just say plantar fasciitis that it's just this isolated thing in the foot that mm. there's some kind of tissue inflammation, and that's true. But to your point, uh, it's a it's a big uh, uh, compensatory system that. You know, you have to kind of look upstream to, to the next muscle, to the next muscle, to the, to the biomechanics of the pelvis and everything mm -hmm. else can play a role in, um, you know, the, why that pain started developing. And I, I loved yeah, how you kind of, I loved how you simplified, um, uh, just this overuse perspective. Like you have these demands and you kind of go over that threshold and that's what's happening. And that, yes, if you rest it and reduce that threshold, you're going to have some improvement. But as soon as you ramp up that demand again, uh, it comes back. And I see that all the time. Uh, and I'm sure mm -hmm. you do too. And in, in practice people, well, I have this, I rested it, I came back and it, or I started again, it came back, you know, what should I do? And, um, you know, just rest in ice isn't enough to kind of get to that root cause uh, to, to, to really, really help them out. And uh, to your point, as far as stretching goes, um, yeah, I, people always ask about back stretches to me. It's like, Oh, you know, I got this back pain, this chronic back pain. What are some great back stretches I can do? And I was like, well, there's certainly things you can do for the back, but the number one thing you need to do is, uh, stretch your hamstring. Uh, people have no idea how much a yeah. tight hamstring that pulls on the pelvis interferes with their function of the back and tightens it up. And, you know, we, most of us, uh, certainly in corporate America sit all day long, just oh, yeah. shortening that hamstring muscle. And, and they don't realize how much that, um, is playing a role in their back pain. So the first thing I tell people is stretch your hamstring. And then, um, I, you know, when they demonstrate how they stretch their hamstring, nine out of 10 of them do it improperly. You know, they stand erect, they bend forward, try to touch the ground. And I'm like, you just elicit a lot of back muscle and, and probably right. very little hamstring. And I'll always have, okay, well, lay on your back for a second. Let, let, let me, let, let me raise your leg and see how far you can go. And, and most of it can barely get off the table without, you know, crying mercy. And, um, you know, it just opens their eyes to that. Yeah. They aren't really stretching the hamstring the way they think they are. And so all that to say, uh, you brought up a great point as far as it's not just stretching, it's stretching properly. 
and making sure that you have that strategy in place to, to, to address it the way it needs to be done. Yeah. When you go through and your, your people are saying, well, I stretch all the time. Well, they say, okay, let me see how you're stretching or what are you stretching? And you realize quickly, they're not stretching the right thing. Number one, number two, they're doing it improperly. Um, and, uh, number three, they work on things that they're good at. Well, yeah. I don't want you to work on things that you're good at. I want you to work on things that you're not good at. Okay. I mean, I try to explain to patients and just all of us, we are a flexion dominant society. Everything we do is forward. So corporate America, you and I right now, what are we doing? We're sitting. So our spines are flexed. Our shoulders are forward. Our hips are flexed. Um, our knees are flexed. Um, you go and I, you and I both work. What do we do? We are flexed forward working on a patient. Um, you know, you're working on a computer. You're looking down. You're flexed. You're looking at your phone. Um, I like to play golf. I'm flexed. So you see a theme here. We don't do enough extension things, in my opinion, to bring about that homeostasis uh, and that balance back. So again, teaching patients how to stretch tight muscles, how to strengthen weak muscles, um, in my opinion, is where I think a lot of practitioners fail across the board. They're really good at getting people better, but my opinion is mm, there's a lot that aren't really good at keeping them better or giving them the tools of what they need to do to stay well. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself and that's fantastic. And, and well, I took uh, it off uh, your website. So yeah. that's, that's why I, that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> so uh, speaking of kind of active release technique, um, obviously, uh, there's certain practitioners out there that go and get certifications for this. It, it is a post-doctorate, for the most part, education process. I know that as a mm -hmm. student, you can take seminars and, and so forth. But for the most part, a lot of it is after we graduate and, and they kind of go get sure. some certifications. Um, so if someone was interested in looking up an active release technique type of provider, what is the best way for someone to kind of locate those type of individuals? Yeah, absolutely. So um, ART, um, you can find ART on the web at activerelease.com. Um, you know, for practitioners or patients, like say hey, we, some of our, our PACs, uh, hey, let me look up this F3 to see if there's a practitioner in my area. Uh, when they go to the website, there's a, um, a, a link that says find a provider. Uh, when you click on that link, you have your options of putting in your zip code or your town. Um, and it'll pull up who's the closest to you. Um, once it pulls up who the closest is, there'll be um, uh, certifications of the different uh, modules or different seminars that that practitioner has passed successfully as, as tested and passed uh, to be able to practice those. So, you know, currently we have um, uh, levels one and two for um, spine, upper extremity, lower extremity. There's a nerve entrapment course or a long nerve uh, tract course. Um, there's a biomechanics course. Um, and there's a few other uh, um, higher level certifications, if you will, with, uh, with active release. But the easiest way for a practitioner that's out there that's listening or a patient that might say, hey, let me check this out a little bit further, go to activerelease.com, click on find a provider, type in your zip code, and it'll tell you who's the closest. Got it. Well, what a great resource and packs. If you're out there with these chronic injuries and you just can't find a solution for it, uh, maybe you're seeing a chiropractor, maybe you're not, maybe you're seeing a physical therapist, maybe you're just trying to go the old medical route, taking 
you know, anti-inflammatories or steroids or something to kind of mask the pain and just not seeing that root cause get addressed. Let me encourage you to look up a, an active released uh, technician and, and uh, somebody that really does that. And, uh, you know, I mean, doesn't mean you have to leave your current chiropractor or your physical therapist or anything like that. These active release guys, I mean, and gals, uh, you know, they're a good complement to probably what you're already doing. And it's an opportunity to go. And, and speaking on that, just real quick, Pudge, what, and I know every patient is different and every healing process is different, but if sure. somebody did have like this chronic issue, let's say a plantar fasciitis or something, and they located somebody like yourself and say, Hey, listen, I want to come in because I know that you work this technique on this specific thing. What kind of time frame does it usually require for someone to get that type of treatment to resolve let's say a plantar fasciitis, barring everything else was kind of working the way it's supposed to? Yeah, uh, great question. So um, before I answer that, I want to just to touch on what you said. You know, they're not just chiropractors that, that do ART. So um, the practitioners, anyone that has a professional degree. So DC, PT, MD, DO, um, athletic trainer um, can, can do and, and learn ART, okay? Um, but yes, coming back to specifically, so, you know, Bones, we, we get this question all the time. Okay, you know, uh, Dr. Hahn, I, I, I believe what you say. How long does it take to fix me? Well, that's the magic question, okay? I mean, um, everyone is different. And this is exactly what I say to patients. Look, this is my first time seeing you, okay? I need to do enough, but not too much, okay? Everyone has a, a, a line that, I, that you have because of where you are and how long the problem has been there and what your pain level is and um, what the state of your, your health of your body is. So I need to do enough, but not too much. If you're backing me into a corner and saying, how many visits um, am I gonna need? I say to you, we do a treatment plan, okay? My treatment plan is anywhere between four and eight visits, okay? At that point, I'll reassess, I'll reevaluate and we'll go from there. Um, I'll know in that time frame, specifically in my world for these kind of repetitive overuse injuries, these soft tissue problems, if I'm going to help it. Um, and if I'm not, then we need to either refer you to somebody else or change up what we're doing or, you know, figure out a, the reason why it's, you know, are there patients that take 10 or 12 visits? Of course there are. Um, but as a general rule, um, for these kind of, uh, repetitive overuse type things that are fairly, uh, new. Um, if they're pretty responsive to what we do now, if they say, Hey, I've had plantar fasciitis for 60 years. Okay. Well, we're talking about a different story here, right? I mean, you have some significant scarring and some, uh, some things that, that we're probably going to hopefully undo, but, um, there's so much compensatory action up that, that, that chain, if you will, that posterior chain that it, it may take a little bit longer. Um, but generally speaking, if you saw somebody in that time frame, you know, four to eight times, you should be feeling a significant improvement. Um, that's generally what I'd say. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was looking for. Just kind of a ballpark idea of what somebody can kind of expect as mm -hmm. far as getting some treatment. Now, is that when you say four to eight sessions, is that weekly, a couple times a week, once a month, how, how, how spread out are those visits typically yeah, also, when also you, great when question. you need treatment? So when something's acute, um, you want to treat it as, as you see fit. If the patient is an athlete, I might treat them every day, you know, for a week. 
um, you know, working with uh, some professional athletes, they can handle it. Their body is used to that kind of demand and used to getting care. Um, you know, if you're little Miss Jones, um, I might be only able to treat you, you know, once, maybe twice in a week. Um, ART is considered a, um, I describe it as a good hurt. Okay. Um, you're actually making a change with the tissue. Um, more is not better. Um, you have to listen to the body and see how much you can do. And like I said, you try to go to the line and then you kind of push the line a little bit further each time based on what, how it responds and what you do. So uh, in my office, generally speaking, um, I, I see somebody twice in a week, you know, for two or three weeks and then, um, you know, we reassess. Got it. And then just from a success rate, I mean, you're finding that most people within that time frame are capable of getting back out to the activity level that they want to get back at to, or is there a rest period? How does I, that typically yeah, work? Yeah. So obviously, you know, again, th these are all, these are the things like we talked about the parenting manual. You know, if we had the practice manual sure. treating repetitive various injuries, you know, we also make a mint. Um, I would say generally speaking, yes, they are back to the activities that they want to do. Um, there's lots of different factors that you have to take into consideration. Um, you know, is there any true tear of the tissue? Well, if it's a true tear of the tissue, it's going to take, you know, six to 10 weeks potentially to heal, um, you know, just the tear of the tissue. Um, but you can certainly treat them in that time frame. But if it's a, a, a non-displaced tissue issue, um, that it's just a repetitive overuse, it's just angry. Yes. You take away the demand, you treat it you show them what they need to do to help them or help me help you. Um, and you should be back to your activity pretty darn um, quickly. Um, you know, that's the acute care uh, aspect of ART. You know, the, the more of the performance aspect, the sports performance, you know, I would like patients to come in, you know, just on a maintenance supportive basis to say, hey, I get it. You, you've taught me a good deed that, hey, when I take care of myself, I'm not waiting until I actually have a problem or a state of dis-ease, okay, disease, dis-ease, uh, in order to stay well. I'm just going to stay well. So, um, like you get your hair cut every, you know, uh, what, you know, couple of months. You, you, you know, you go to the dentist once or twice a year. You get your maintenance done on your car. Your oil changes every five or ten thousand miles. Why do you do those things to maintain it? It's the same thing with patients. So, you know, all of us can benefit from it, um, from benefit from not only chiropractic care, but just um, having the recipe to, um, to keep ourselves well. You know, I don't want packs to go, gosh, I haven't been able to work out because I'm injured. I would rather say, hey, I have a little bit of an issue. I'm able to go, but I still have this. Is this something that, I, that can be helped? And the answer is almost always yes. Yeah. I mean, prevention is where it's at and that's where real wellness dwells. And and uh, quality of life is, is, you know, what we can do ahead of things, you know, uh, knock things out before they get to become a big problem. So I'm a big Amen. believer in that. And I love that that's your philosophy as well. And, and so forth. But man, well, Pudge, I really appreciate uh, all the information you shared. Uh, we're kind of coming up on our time here. So I want to kind of wrap things up for us. Sure. Um, uh, so I got a couple final questions for you. Uh, and the first one is this, and you've already laid down a ton of great tips and information, but if someone needed a little kick in the pants to kind of get their health and wellness going, uh, what would be three tips you would give somebody uh, to get them going on their hunt for wellness? Mm. 
Um, let's see. So I, I try to use the kiss method, uh, keep it simple, stupid, because that's kind of how I live my life. Um, I would say three words. The first is understand. Okay. Understand that, hey, I understand how I got here. I understand why my body is injured or how I'm well. Um, and understand that, hey, my journey, everyone's journey is different than, than the other. So it's not always going to be easy, um, but it's worth it, right? Because you only have one of one you. Um, so I think the first thing is to understand. Um, next, I would say is um, commitment or commit. You know, commit to you, commit to the process and understanding, going back to the first one, that it's not always going to be easy, but that you're worth it. And you commit to, hey, getting well and staying well um, in all aspects, right? Um, you know, all parts of your body. Um, and so once you commit to that, you have a really good basis to understand that this is a journey and I'm worth it. So I understand it. I'm committing to it. And as you go forward and you have your recipe, in my opinion, it's all about maintaining, about maintenance. So understand, commit, or commitment, and, and uh, maintain. Once you have those, you know, these good practices, um, um, you know, for or these choices, if you will, that you've made for you, you know, that is, um, that's, that's what we need. That's what we should choose um, in order to maintain. Um, and um, if we would just do more supportive, preventative maintenance kind of things in all of our lives, um, you know, I think we'd, we'd be, um, we, we'd achieve that, that hunt for wellness, if you will. Yeah, man. Great answer. I, I love the idea and how you broke it down as far as understanding, committing, and then maintaining, because, you know, each one is important and each one kind of builds on the previous one. And, um, certainly requires all three to be super successful long-term mm -hmm. uh, on this whole journey that we call wellness. Um, I do have one final question for you, but uh, before I ask it, I just want to take a few seconds here and just acknowledge you and say, thank you, uh, for your willingness to spend time of your busy day and share your expertise with the listeners. I, I know it's going to go a long way in opening, uh, you know, PAX eyes on, on what's available to them, uh, how they can address some of these chronic conditions that might be plaguing them in the gloom or even, uh, sure. forbid preventing them from being in the gloom and, and getting back out there and, and certainly looking at it from the, a different lens. So I appreciate you for, for, for that and, and your willingness to share this. Um, uh, as far as, uh, getting in touch with you? If, if there was a PAX member, um, certainly locally, that maybe would like to look at, um, you know, to uh, maybe employing you as, uh, as somebody to help them out, or just nationally, if somebody has a question about ART, chiropractic, mm -hmm. or just your personal story, uh, what are some best ways of getting in touch with you? Sure. Um, uh, I guess the, the two easiest ways, um, you know, I have a website uh, for my, for my uh, my business, my personal practice is called Optimal Function Chiropractic. So my website is uh, Optimal Function Chiro, C H I R O dot com. Um, that's that's a website there. You can leave me a message. Um, the ART route, you can certainly go to search for a provider um, and um, click on um, you know that find a provider. 
um, you can just type in my name, uh, Davidson, um, and it'll pull up, uh, John Davidson. Um, that's a, that's an easy way too. And obviously, you know, like you, um, Bones, I'm, I'm willing to help out anyone. So if there's anyone out there that you live in a different, uh, neck of the woods, um, and if I can be of service to try to point you in the right direction and, and find somebody for you, uh, please reach out. I'll do whatever I can to help out. And again, I, I appreciate you. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you help a lot of people with this and especially in our packs, um, you know, in F3 nation, uh, we need more people like yourself to, um, to just bring along, um, brotherhood and, um, you know, putting your money where your mouth is. So, uh, thank you again for having me. And I, I really appreciate being here. Well, honored, man. I appreciate that. Uh, as far as social media, do you have a Twitter or Slack handle people could reach out? I do have a Slack handle. Um, it is, uh, is pudge. Um, but I, I'm full disclosure. I'm not, uh, you know, super savvy when it comes to social media. Um, you know, I don't let my kids have it and I kind of lead by example. Um, so yeah, I hate to say, you know, I'm getting older and I, I, I'm not as savvy as that. I, I do have, uh, those pages, but quite honestly, I don't, I don't check them. I know that's terrible. I should probably no, hire no, Bones, no, Can that's... I hire you? Maybe you can help <laughs> me out with it. Uh, I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask because people will probably attest to my social media presence. I basically promote the podcast and that's about, <laughs> that's about it. I, I'm like you, I, I don't do a whole lot of it. Um, yeah. uh, as far as that goes now, is that a, a na- the nation slack or are you on a, a regional slack? It's the regional slack. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. F3 Suncoast. Okay. So those of that of you that are F3 Suncoast, you can reach out to Pudge that way as well. But it sounds like the, the website really or uh, is one of the better ways of doing that. So the website uh, pre- and active release. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate that. So my final question for you this uh, is this Pudge, uh, what is your definition of wellness? Mm. Uh, that's a good one. Um, Well, I think that it's different for everyone, but specifically if you're asking me, I would say that wellness is the act of practicing um, healthy daily habits um, to achieve an overall balance in in your life and in the life of you. So I kind of break it down with, in my opinion, um, you can't separate at the table of you, you can't separate physical from intellectual, from emotional, from spiritual. Um, those for me are the biggest four. I think some people would put in from environmental, from social, from occupational. Um, you know, there's lots of aspects at the table of you and what went, what, what, what runs you. And so, you know, being kind of through the things that I've been through and, um, you know, just being real, um, you know, struggling in different aspects, I've had some very smart people help me, you know, kind of understand that, that at the table of you, you can't separate those things. So um, you might be really good in the physical range um, or the really good in the intellectual uh, perspective, but maybe you're suffering more on the, the, um, the emotional or spiritual um, what I've learned is you can't separate those things. Um, you can only go so far until you hit the same walls. So to be well-balanced and to have that, that overall 
balance of, of healthy habits um, within those, those four main uh, will bring about, um, you know, wellness or your own wellness, in my opinion. Perfect, man. I appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for listening to the Hunt for Wellness podcast. Please rate and review our show and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com, on the nation Slack at bones, or Twitter at HFW podcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness.